phase is locked and ready to fire, sir. Illogical. Hello and welcome back to Federation Radio with me, your host once again, Floyd. So, we're going over Season 2's Episode 3, The Changelings, which is not at all what I thought it was. I was thinking it was going to be an actual species of Changeling, because like I mentioned in the last episode, there are multiple of those, and I thought this would be the first one, but no. Apparently, Changelings is actually in response to this episode finding a probe called Nomad and how it changed and how it's trying to change things. Which is kind of, I don't really like that they use the word changeling. I would have preferred the probe or some kind of title about the actual machine that the episode's about, but whatever. So this, it's a pretty basic episode. It goes over, it's a cool concept. It's this idea of Earth sending out a um, probe called Nomad in the year 2000, which it's always fun to hear, you know, old sci-fi referencing 2000 and years that I was alive for because they're speculating about a weird future that I remember and... We did send some probes out during those years, but I don't think there was a particularly, like, Nomad in 2000. But, um, apparently this story is supposed to be, Nomad's gone out, it's been programmed with the objective, it was apparently one of the very first probes that we sent out as a species in Star Trek to search out and find new life. So, it was designed with basic computing, it was supposed to be able to understand, change, repair itself, and to try and learn information. Now, it was apparently damaged in a meteor storm at some point, and when it was damaged, it travelled aimlessly trying to repair itself. It then ran into an entity called Tundru, which was an alien probe that Spock speculates was probably used by an alien species for colonisation, or to get a planet ready for it because it was going around and exterminating soil samples. However, the two of them managed to patch together their machines into one to repair themselves, to try and continue their mission, and between their two minds, they sort of mixed their goals. And now it is seeking out biologicals to exterminate. So, it's mixed its goals, it thinks that it's still the the probe called Nomad, which is being, well, was created apparently by a man named Roy Kirk. So, not Kirk, not actually a relation to Kirk, but Roy Kirk, so its memory banks are damaged, it's close enough to what it remembers and recalls as its creator. So it listens to Kirk's word. So when we first start the episode, the ship is coming into a sector, Monsur system or something, I don't remember what it was, it doesn't turn out to be very important, but like, apparently there are four billion people that live there. There's an alien species known about, or a human colony, I wasn't quite aware of which it was, but it doesn't really matter. There was a system with four billion lives in it, and then nothing is there. They find from long-range scans, there's no life. They can't understand what could have happened to 4 billion lives, so they go closer, and then they're fired on by something firing these huge bolts of energy, like huge plasma things, and Spock actually says that each one of these is the equivalent of 90 90 of our torpedoes. That's how powerful it's hitting the ship. So he determines it drops the ship from 100 down to 20. You know, they can obviously put more energy towards the shields, and they can do a few things to, like, repair them pretty quick between shots, but he surmises that the ship won't survive more than four shots. And they do get shot three times, but at that point they actually scan the probe itself and they end up speaking with it, they communicate to it. It's almost unbelievable to them that this little probe, because it's quite small, it's a bit smaller than a human, has the capability of firing and creating such power. Now, they contact it, they send out a hail, like, please, this is the Captain Captain Kirk of the Starship Enterprise, stop firing, who are you? 
And at that point, because it recognizes Kirk as Roy Kirk, its creator, it stops firing. And it actually responds, and it comes on board, and there's a whole... It gets confused. It doesn't really understand what's going on, and we're trying to work out... Well, our crew is trying to work out what's going on throughout the episode. So, like I said, they do all the determinations and work out. They're like, yes, this is what's happened. They go through the pro's memory banks. Now, it does a few weird things, like... They managed to sneak in a song from Uhura, which I've mentioned before. She was a stage show woman, so she liked to sing and do music. That was her thing. So she would try and squeeze that into Star Trek wherever she could. They found a way to let her do it in this episode. She's singing a song while... Because the probe is taken to engineering. It looks at their star charts and stuff, determines, you know, Earth. And it calls Kirk the creator and says, where did I launch from? And they show it star charts of Earth, like this is where you came from. And after that, they sort of, Spock comes up with a theory, that's when he wants to talk to Kirk alone, when he comes up with the idea of what's happened, how it's tried to repair itself and change its goal. So they leave the room, and they leave him with that engineer, and that engineer calls up to the bridge, lets them know what's going on, and then says, give me one moment and I'll get the information you wanted for Uhura, and she, he says, holding. And instead of putting him on hold, she starts like humming and doing a little bit of singing into the mic. Which was enough for the probe to pick up on the fact that they were singing and he doesn't understand. Nomad's like, what is this? You see a few lights go off, a little bit of his like hull comes out, almost like a mini satellite dish, and it just lifts up, starts flying itself out of that room and heads towards the bridge. Now Kirk finishes talking with Spock and works out, yep, so this thing is dangerous, this is probably what warped out, warped out, wiped out the 14 or 4 billion people, and he calls security and says, head to the engineering room. Now, at that point, they realize that it's not in the engineering room, and he gives out the command to security, like, search the ship, find that entity, find Nomad. Then they get a very whispered call from Scotty, who's like, it just arrived on the bridge, sir. So they all come running up to the bridge, and at this point, the machine's trying to talk to Uhura, and it's trying to say, like, what is this form of communication? Trying to understand what's singing it. For whatever reason, I guess it never ran into music or singing, so it couldn't understand from a pure mathematical, like, computer level what the purpose of it was. So, at that point, it tries to read her mind. It does almost like a mechanical mind meld, <clears throat> and this turns out to be not great for her. It tells her at first, think of music, focus your mind, and obviously she's just freaked out. There's a weird entity that is suddenly on board. It is threatening her and nobody knows what to do about it. And then it tries to take her music. After a little while of Kirk and the others trying to convince it to let that unit go because it believes all the people on board are biological units being created by the creator. So for now it's not actually harming or directly killing them. That's why it's working with them. So it lets her go. But she doesn't speak. She's just blank. And it basically says that to read her memory banks, that unit was irreparably damaged. It was chaotic. I had to wipe its memory to make it function. So yeah, it's just wiped out the memory of Uhura. She no longer has a memory. She doesn't know how to speak. She doesn't know anything. Now, we'll talk later on about how weird that kind of... Actually, you know, I'll just do it now. So they take her down to the med bay and later on we come back to her in the med bay and they're teaching her. Like, McCoy determines that it didn't actually hurt her. There's no brain damage. There's no physical or nervous system damage. It just literally purged her brain of memories. She is perfectly capable of learning again. And apparently, across this episode, which 
they don't really sort of make out like it's anything more than a couple of hours. Like, there's no real point where it feels like, oh, we'll leave this for the night, we'll come back tomorrow. There's no bedtime scenes. This really feels like it takes place, like, over a couple of hours. So, apparently in a couple of hours, they managed to, using the best educational tapes in the universe, apparently, sitting around teaching her how to speak at a grade one level, they say at first, which is weird because she's trying to speak, she's struggling with English, and she keeps reverting to Swahili. Which is like, didn't you wipe her brain? So shouldn't she not remember Swahili or who she is either? So that doesn't make any sense. And then after that, apparently by the end of the episode, which again, I said like 12, maybe 15 hours at most. It's a long day. It's not more than one. She's apparently completely re-educated to the point where the doctor's willing to sign off on her leaving Medbay and going back to her duties. Like, what? What kind of technology do they have that someone can wipe their brain? Like, how come you don't have this stuff for children? Why can you train her from start to finish in 12 hours and yet still need schools for your kids? Shouldn't humanity be so much more advanced at this point if you can completely train someone to the point where they're a scientist and an officer and have enough theory about all this to work on board a starship on the bridge? Like, to do that within a few hours is... I, I would struggle to believe we wouldn't have ascended to godhood after a century of that. So, it's kind of bullshit, honestly. That's just one of those plot devices that they use, and it's just like, oh, we want Uhura to be a victim so she has something to do, but we also don't want to write her out of the show, so we're just going to bring her back immediately. Whatever. That, that stuff happens. So, what I didn't mention was when this is happening to Uhura, Scotty, who once again, like in the last episode, shows himself to be somewhat of a white knight. He's got to defend those ladies. So every time a lady's in danger, apparently Scott is going to go against orders and do something aggressive to try and stop them. And he is going to cop the brunt of it and get thrown across the room. And he gets killed. Like, McCoy says, there's nothing I can do for him. He is dead. Now, Kirk manages to talk down the machine. Talk down Nomad tells it not to harm any of these units and to restore them back to how they were because that is how they are optimal to him. So the machine says, okay, I will fix the one, I will repair the unit you call Scotty. And they're like, you can't repair him, he's dead. And then, well, at least that's what McCoy says, but he also says, if this machine is able to do that instantly, maybe it can fix him. I'll take any chance we have. So they let the Nomad go, and Nomad does. We don't really get much of how. It, like, puts a bit of energy over him and does something, and then suddenly Scotty's got vitals again. Apparently they try and get it to fix Uhura, but it says, you know, as they determine, we have not actually damaged her. He says, we just, we destroyed all of their memory banks. That's all. It didn't actually purge or hurt the unit. So like I said before, she has to be re-educated. There's no healing her, which she can apparently do in 12 hours. But anyway, so after this, it gets a bit more desperate because the machine also kills two security guards upon its like escape to the bridge when it was first going to Uhura. So at this point, it's showing that even though it's holding back because it believes Kirk's the, the creator, it's still dangerous. It's still killing people. It is still damaging people irreparably. You know, it even goes to the engineering bay at this point because it's trying to investigate biological beings. And as they say in one of their little meetings, if it gets to Earth, it's going to fulfill its mission. It's going to go to Earth. It's going to find these people. You know, it's going to find Earth absolutely filled with biological contaminants, and it's going to purge them, just like it did this system with four billion people. So they have to stop it from going there. Now, Spock decides to do a mind meld with the machine after failing to learn anything about it. Although I do like that before this happens, the machine actually compliments Spock, because when Kurt comes in the room, 
to try and help Spock, who's obviously reported it's been a few hours and I haven't been able to get through its shield or convince it to bring it down. A very human-like stubbornness. And uh, Kirk comes in, and I kind of like that the machine at this point kind of compliments Spock. It says to Kirk, this unit, Spock, is also one of your creations? And he says, yes. Yes, he is, I suppose. And he says, this one is far more organized, a better unit than the others. Which Spock, although he tries his best to suppress his emotion, you can't help but see just a little bit of a smile at that point when this machine has basically just stated Vulcans are better than humans and better organized. Probably the only compliment that it throws out throughout this entire episode, so that's kind of nice. Now, it does try at one point and go ahead and fix the ship. And by fix, it upgrades all the systems and makes the ship travel faster, which... Kirk has to talk it down and get it to stop because the ship ends up traveling at warp 15, which is a speed that even at the end of Voyager, like a hundred years in universe from this point, the ships are not capable of doing. Warp 15 is breaking all of the rules that they have. It is beyond anything their ships can do. So to do it in the 23rd century, as Kirk yells, this ship is not built for that. The entire ship structure is going to collapse from the pressure of what you're doing. None of this was constructed with that kind of speed in mind. So it ends up complying for now but at this point it's getting annoyed kirk yells at it tries to call it a faulty what does he call it he calls it a faulty machine who needs repairing and tells it to go back to the weight bay now spot comes up with the idea of mind melding with it which is actually how we learn that it's not just nomad he determines that his theory about it repairing itself and changing itself is sort of correct because inside of it there is another being called tondru who is the alien probe that has mixed with it, and that's when he confirms, yes, our theories were correct. This is actually two different probes with two different missions that have been mixed together. It's as confused as we are, but it is still highly dangerous. So, it's also really weird the way Spock does it. It's, it's interesting that Spock can mind meld with a machine. It kind of raises a few questions about how powerful the Vulcan actually are. Like, can he just mind meld with the ship at any point and connect himself to the computer? Like, what is the limit of a Vulcan's power? Do you even need a crew if you can just get a pretty confident Vulcan as the captain to just commune with the ship and turn the weapons and reaction speeds into one entity? You know, it, it really brings up a lot of the Vulcans, I think, are supposed to be far more powerful than they let on, which I kind of like in some ways. Because as we'll learn later with the Romulans, like, well, actually we have learned, the Romulans are basically a part of the Vulcans. They're like a distant cousin, but like the Romulans are the sort of people who would take advantage of those things. And I think in a bit of irony, the fact that they want those things has meant that biologically they have actually changed from the Vulcans. They use their minds differently and therefore are incapable of accomplishing what they want. Whereas the Vulcans, because they don't want that and have lived the way that they do, have actually grown their mental capacity to the point where they could do everything the Romulans want, but they no longer do it because that is their philosophy. Which you know, makes a real nice yin and yang of the two species and how they are connected and yet separate, which, again, is something we will, going forward into Star Trek, go over quite a lot. Like, the Romulans and Vulcans are a pretty big deal for the later shows, but unfortunately for the original series, the Romulans, I know from interviews and stuff, they were supposed to come back on multiple occasions. They did want the Romulans to be a reused thing, but for whatever reason, different reasons, they got written out. Like, I know in one of the movies they got replaced with the Klingons, which is why that movie feels a little bit weird, because the Klingons were originally supposed to be Romulans. 
getting involved in this incident, but instead it's just a continuation of the movie before with the Klingon story continuing. So the Romulans are a weird, kind of unfortunately misused thing in the early days, but that's all right. The concept was there. Anyway, so we go back to Nomad, and at this point, Kirk manages to pull off a pretty nice loop of logic, which even Spock compliments and says, you know, that was a brilliant use of logic, Captain. I didn't think you had it in you. And Captain Kirk kind of laughs after he's all over and says, oh, don't tell me you didn't believe in me at all. And then Spock just looks at him and says, no, Captain. (laughs) (laughs) So clearly, he's actually surprised. Like, this is not just him messing around with his friend. He's actually like, I didn't think you had that kind of logic in you. I was convinced we were dead. I had no hope in you. He's glad that he was wrong, but yeah. So he uses this logic where he tells Nomad, you are a machine. You are, and he tells him, I am a biological and I created you. I am flawed and therefore you were created by a flawed creator and are flawed yourself. He says, you must repair yourself. You are in error. And the machine starts freaking out. It's trying to work out. It's in that weird logic trap of like, I, you see this a lot in old sci-fi of the machine being put through this weird logical loop of breaking its own brain, trying to understand the logic because it can't. Unlike an emotional human, It doesn't have the ability to get frustrated and eventually walk away from a problem and say, I will deal with this later or I'm not sure what to think about this. It's a computer. It has to have an answer and therefore it has to keep computing. So it either gets trapped in this cycle or it breaks. It literally fries its own circuits trying. It's not something you actually see much in modern sci-fi, which is interesting. I, I do wonder if that's because of changes in the way that we view computers and AI now. Maybe how much more intelligent some of it is, but then... I feel like a lot of the modern algorithms, like, they're not truly sentient yet. Like, a lot of that stuff is still not that different to computers. You probably could still trap it in logic. In fact, I think that's what a lot of hackers do. They're not actually hacking your stuff. They're just convincing the security systems that they're not there. And trapping them and doing loops and making it seem like they're invisible. Anyway, it's, yeah, so it traps itself in a loop. At that point, while it's, like, literally its circuits are on fire, you can hear it. They get these anti-grav units, apparently. And, like, attach it to the sides, Spock and Kirk do, I mean, and then they carry it to the transporter room, and they transport it out of the ship, where it then explodes after it just logical, literally mind-blown by Kirk's logic. So it's a, it's a really interesting little episode. It's, you know, nothing major, like I said. There's no new enemies, there's no new aliens introduced, it's just a cool little episode with a probe. But it's a fun side of sci-fi. We don't often get to do in Star Trek the whole Skynet thing. The closest thing we ever get to Skynet is like... Later on there'll be the Sung androids. But there's also, I would say, the Borg is probably the closest. But then the Borg are more of a hive mind alien species more than they are a computer. I know they're kind of in between. They're sort of both, but they're not a strict computer. They don't really have that full old school robotic sci-fi. Which means it doesn't get touched on much. And a lot of modern sci-fi doesn't really do the clunky robots anymore. It's always androids and, and machines trying to impl- inform, oh, sorry, hide in plain sight in human society as humans, or it's something like Skynet taking over our society. It's very rarely the clunking like robots of their own individualism trying to use logic. Either because we don't see that as scary anymore, that's not the science anymore, or whatever. I don't know what the reason is, but that seems to be sort of an outdated trope now that doesn't get used anymore, which is kind of interesting. But anyway, thank you for coming by. I know this is a bit of a shorter one, but... Oh, actually, no, hang on. Before I end, before I end, I do have a special mention that I have to talk about. So, shields exist. 
Up until now, we've been talking about screens and defensive screens, and all, I don't even remember what else they've called them. There's been a few different names for shields. But finally, Season 2, Episode 3, they called them shields. And I'm pretty sure that unless they backtrack on this and then go back to shields again, but I don't think that happens. I think going forward, they have now standardized these ships have shields. Thank fuck, I'm sick of calling them screens. I'm looking forward to all these things being standardized so that I can stop being confused by it all and just start enjoying the episodes a bit more. But thank you for listening. I just had to add that in because I've ranted about shields in the past and it was so satisfying to hear them be called shields. I'll see you all next time. Or in the next episode, we go over Mirror Mirror, which is the very first Mirror Universe episode. I am actually excited to finish editing this so I can go watch it. So bye for now.